That's right, General Quarters, all man your battle station. This is Battleground, and today we have a great, great guest. Uh, he worked for Senator Tim Scott. Um, he was probably one of the architects for uh, Opportunity Zones. He's a tax wonk. Um, Shay Hawkins, welcome to Battleground, man. Thanks for having me, Ivan. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, you, you sent me like a really long bio. I don't know if I, you want me to read it all, but I, I'd rather you tell us about you than me reading sure. a bio. So I just wanted to hit those two points that, that I find really important. And then I just want you to tell us about you, what, what, what your background is, what you're doing, because you're, yes, uh, you're also involved in a, in a race of your own. So I am. Is. So it is general quarters for everybody, brother. Huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. It's that time. It's that time of year. So, uh, so my name is Shay Hawkins, uh, born in the city of Cleveland, uh, raised in the Cleveland area here in Ohio. And, um, you know, got the, uh, got the opportunity after working in finance for a number of years, got the opportunity to go out to Capitol Hill to work as a tax advisor for Congressman Jim Renacy, uh, who's from here in the Cleveland area. Uh, I have actually helped develop his tax plan, which he developed as the whole tax reform situation was developing. And, uh, you know, tried to get some key elements of that into the final tax bill. But when tax reform started to ramp up on the Senate side, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina uh, brought me over to handle his tax and trade portfolio. And so that was a great opportunity for me. Uh, I had had the chance to meet Senator Scott about seven years before that. Uh, when he came to Cleveland, he was then a state rep in the South Carolina House of Representatives. And he was coming to our, to our state, to Cleveland, to tour some of our charter schools. Uh, so, so, you know, one, one of the things that Ohio does right is school choice. And uh, so he was touring our charter schools. And so I didn't know that seven years later, I'd be working for him as his tax and trade counsel. That's fantastic. Hey, oh, yeah. one of the things about Tim Scott, I mean, we love Tim Scott. He is, uh, man, he, he's, he's a true leader. I, you know, I, I, I really do like uh, Senator Scott, Senator Rubio. They are, uh, they are examples for, for our communities, for the African-American community, for the Hispanic community. Yes. Uh, they, they, they really do show that anything is possible in this, in, in the greatest country in the history of the world, man. Uh, I, I know one of the, one of the great things that I like about Tim Scott, and I know you are, uh, the, the architect or part of that architectural team yes, was, uh, the empowerment zones. I'd love for you to talk us, uh, to Absolutely. talk us through and, and, you know, so people understand what it means outside of 30 second sound bites, right. That you get on TV. Sure. So, sure. So um, Opportunity Zones were based on a bipartisan bill called the Investing in Opportunity Act. That bill had 16 uh, senators on it and 88 um, folks in the House on it, split right down the middle, Democrats and Republicans. Uh, and what it allows is it allows uh, an investor or a corporation that has a capital gain, like let's say, let's say you have a million dollars in Microsoft stock and it goes to 2 million over time. That's a capital gain. Right. Normally you'd owe, when you sell that stock, you'd owe some tax on that. So what this says is that if you reinvest that capital gain in one of about uh, 8,700 distressed communities across the country, they could be rural, they could be urban, 8,700, uh, wow. Yeah, 8,700. Oh, yeah, it's by census track. And if you, if you reinvest that money there, then you can defer capital gains uh, taxes uh, for the amount of time that you hold the investment. And then for the investment in the zone itself, for, for the new company you create or the new real estate project that you invest in, if you hold that investment for 10 years, then there's no new capital gains tax on that investment. So it could be a real boon. Uh, Secretary Mnuchin estimates that up to $100 billion, that's billion with a B, could come into these distressed communities over the next 10 years. So far, we know that before COVID hit, 
about 11 billion had come into the zones at that point. Uh, and so, you know, these zones are, are designated by census tract. It needs to be an area with a poverty rate that's higher than 20% and with an income rate that's less than about 80% of the state average overall. So areas that meet a, um, an existing federal standard of economic distress. Yep. And what we did is we asked governors, because the governors of each state actually designated the zones. They picked the areas in their states that are designated as opportunity zones. Because the, the fact is, you know, um, the governor of, of Maryland, uh, the governor of Ohio, the governor of Texas, they know what's best for their citizens. Uh, and so we didn't want Secretary Mnuchin or Donald Trump or President Obama, whoever it is, to be choosing those zones. We wanted, we wanted those zones to be chosen at the local level. And so governors were able to designate 25% of their distressed census tracts as opportunity zones. Uh, and we gave them some, some guidance there. We, we asked them to pick areas that had a great need. We also asked them to pick areas where there was mutually reinforcing um, state, federal, um, and local policy. And then finally, you know, we asked them to look for areas where there was potential opportunity, where investors could turn a dollar into $10 and create some jobs, you know. And so, uh, so we are very excited about it. The zones uh, have a disproportionate share of, um, of a minority population, uh, you know, disproportionate share of areas that are, um, you know, negatively impacted by uh, brown fields and, you know, negative environmental effects and things like that. So it's something that can really be effective in addressing a lot of problems. I recently testified before the House Energy and Commerce Committee on how opportunity zones could be potentially used to help us come out of the other end of the COVID-19 pandemic and recession. And I'm here to tell you, Ivan, uh, even the Democrats on that committee um, were um, all ears on how we could utilize this great policy that, uh, that my old boss helped author, uh, Senator Scott, uh, and that the president signed into law, and that I had, as, as you mentioned, I had a little hand in, uh, in going ahead and drafting it. Just a little, it. just a little, right? A little on, on the but, staff. Uh, but that's great stuff, man. And, and you know, it's so important. Um, obviously, you know, uh, I'm, I'm Latino, Hispanic. You're, you're, you're African-American. Yeah. You know, we're... we're um, I guess we're kind of on the outcasts of our communities, right? Being conservative and supporting the president and being Republican, right. which is always a shame. We're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, about the misinformation that's out there against, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, that goes into our community, how, how, how Democrats and liberals use minorities for, for political gain, for, you know, as, as, as a political weapon and, yes. um, and to advance their agenda, but really do nothing Absolutely. for us. But policies like this, policies like the one you helped put together, you know, that, that Senator Scott, you know, championed and got through are really yeah. things that really do make a difference, do really help our communities and, and help the country as a whole, right? Absolutely. That, that's exactly the type of yeah. stuff we need to be looking at versus all this other crap that they push. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, I want to change gears a little bit. Um, yeah. Actually, you know what, where can they find some, some information on empowerment zones, Shay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you, you can go to, uh, you can go to the website for uh, for my organization, it's just um, www.zonefunds.org. So Z-O-N-E-F-U-N-D-S dot O-R-G. And we've got an opportunity zone map there. The map is broken down by congressional district. So you just click on your congressional district and you can see the opportunity zones that are designated you know, in that district. Um, and, and so that's a great resource. And there's another think tank that helped us put the policy together called the Economic Innovation Group. And their uh, website is uh, eig.org. Um, very good. Very good, yeah. man. Thank you very much for that information. And people, please go out there, visit them, take a look at it. And please, if you can, 
that's where you move your capital, man. You can't, can't, can't ask for anything else than make, make money and, and, and not pay taxes. I mean, man. You know, where, where you can do well and do good at the same time. That's right. That's, that's the best way to put it, Shay. Thank you for saying that. Hey, changing gears. Yes. Uh, oh, man. Uh, Kamal Harris. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, yeah, that's right. I, I laughed to myself, so I'm glad you're laughing. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to let you all by yourself do this. Yeah, it, it's really something. So, you know, th th this this uh, impacts me pretty directly. You know, I made a decision uh, after a couple of years with Senator Scott handling his tax and trade portfolio, I made a decision to come back to Ohio and to run for uh, our Ohio legislature here in the 6th District. So my district is in the Cleveland area. Uh, uh, the Cleveland area is uh is going more and more in favor of the president uh and the state of ohio um went for the president by nine points the last time yeah. and um but uh you know my district is a 50 50 district so we're gonna you know we're not seeding any vote in any part of the and, district and you're the gop nominee right so you won your yes. primary i won my primary by eight points awesome um and and we were very um you know very pleased with their result even though i was outspent um, and so we are not seeding any vote in any part of the district. And what we've heard, you know, we've been hearing primarily is that folks want to get Ohio back to work. Uh, and so, you know, our, our, we are primarily running in order to help create jobs in Northeast Ohio. There are a lot of problems, Ivan, that can be solved with a good job. Right. And our goal is that every Northeast Ohioan who has the ability to work ultimately have the opportunity to work. And so with, with this VP pick yesterday, a number of my friends, because, uh, you know, ha ha living in, in Northeast Ohio, where it's predominantly Democrat, reached out to me and they asked me, you know, who I'm voting for, which I thought that was so funny. Um, and, you know, my, my one great friend said, uh, no Harris vote. And I just laughed and, and you know, and said, no, ma'am, you know. When you look at this, this um, when you look at this pick, instead of the Democratic Party one acknowledging that what Black and Latino voters want is the same thing that the rest of the country wants, we want to be able to provide for our families. We want our children to do better than we did. We want to be left alone when it comes to the government. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, and we want to live in peace, be, be able to work and worship and live in peace. And so uh, instead of acknowledging that or putting forth some type of policy agenda that deals with the one or 2% of issues that may be different for different communities, you know, instead of doing that, what they've done is they've gone to the base level of identity politics and saying, okay, we're gonna give you somebody who has vaguely similar uh, DNA as you, and that's gonna, you know, th th that that's how we're gonna appease you. And so it's really just the height of, you know, of, of disrespect and, um, and and really the height of pandering and taking for granted. You know, I did a couple op-eds, um, you know, for Fox News on this issue, you know, particularly when Joe Biden came out and told uh, Charlemagne the God on the, on the Breakfast Club, you ain't black if you don't vote for him, you know? And you know he was mad. You know Biden was 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 sort of pissed off. Excuse yeah. my language. Hey man, uh, you know what? Did you okay. say anything you want on this podcast? <laughs> the, the type of crap that they just pulled yesterday pisses me off every day. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, using us as some type of token, talking yeah. down to us like we're uh, you know I don't I don't I don't even want to go too deep into adjectives here, but it definitely pisses me off. Oh yeah. Don't behave the way they want us to behave. We get kicked to the corner and treated like dogs. Absolutely, so I am always pissed off, my brother. Yeah, you can say that anytime. You can use and, and, it anytime. And the thing is, you know, it, it's not just um, you know conservative black folks who are really annoyed and upset with the uh, Democratic Party. It's all black folks. So you know, Charlemagne the God is no uh, you know this radio host. He's no Trump supporter. Right. But he let he let Biden have it. I mean, he was he was on the circuit doing his own series of shows and appearances, and really let really criticizing the party for not having any kind of agenda, 
that helps everyday folks and not putting anything forward, but still demanding that vote. And so, you know, the, the, the Democratic Party needs 92% of the black vote in order to win the presidency, 92%. Uh, and so, um, you know, the president got about 10% last time. That was one of the reasons we beat Hillary. I believe that in this next election, we could double that percentage. I believe that too. Um, you know, there's just, you know, there's, there's policies that one, actually benefit the black community, but two, show the black community that the president is willing to listen and willing to work on a real agenda. So you got opportunity zones, which we discussed. You got historic funding for historically black colleges and universities, you know? And again, everybody on this campus is in, on these campuses aren't black, but historically they were, you know. Uh, and so, historically, well, the other thing is the other thing is Obama didn't do that, right? He sure did. He was there for eight years and didn't do shit. He sure did. He didn't attempt it. He didn't think he needed to do anything, you know. Um, and and you know when, when you look at things like the uh, criminal justice reform bill, you know that you know that, that that's something that benefits everyone, yeah. but. You know, it affects our community especially, right? So. Absolutely, because because we were the ones who took the brunt of things like the 1994 crime bill that tripled the black prison population. Now, I'm not saying that the people who signed that bill were intentionally trying to imprison blacks and Latinos, yep. but the thing is, that was what happened, and everyone else, everyone on the planet but Joe Biden, has apologized for that for that vote. Yeah, you know. Uh, everybody from, you know, Bobby Rush in Chicago to, to everyone else. But Joe Biden bragged about writing the bill. <laughs> um, and he still stands by it. And so when you look at that, you know, I, 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 you know, was commenting yesterday and I said, you know, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have done little to help black Americans. In fact, just the opposite. When you look at them between us, between them, between you know, Joe Biden authoring that crime bill and between Kamala Harris and what she did, hammering folks as a prosecutor in California. Um, you know, I mean, they, they, they've mass incarcerated large numbers of blacks and, and yeah, really- throwing throw people in the, in, in the slammer for a dime bag. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Or, 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 for, or for their kids being truant. Nope. Um, you know, it's, 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 just, uh, it's just really something. Um, and so, yeah, so there was a lot of problems, a lot of problems that she looked the other way on p police brutality as well. Police sure, right? sure. And 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 when it suits her, uh, when it suits her, like when it's a member of her family, um, you know, out causing havoc, violent crimes, then yeah. she's intervening, uh, you know, in in order to get those folks out, uh, out and off. Yeah. And so it, you know, it's really um, all of this really emphasizes. That, uh, that Joe Biden thought he could put someone up that was the same color as 10% of the country um, and, um, you know, and, and, and kind of skate on that. And, you know, it, and it's not going to work. You think, it's gonna, you think, you think uh, we're, we're getting above 15% of the black vote? Yes, sir. Yeah, I think, I think the uh, Hispanic vote is also going to break over 40. Um, I, had, I had somebody on last week that said, you know what, I feel this big big surprise bubbling and not from this silent majority but from right. the silent minority yes and yes. uh and it is coming and it is going to be heard and you know what i i agree with that man and you probably get the same thing i do privately everyone's saying you know what i'm gonna yes i'm gonna vote for trump i love what you're saying i love your post i love this i love that you know <clears throat> I, I'm not, uh, you know, I can't like it or I can't comment on it because then, you know, I'm going to be attacked. And, sure. and, uh, and, and, and that's the way they work. I mean, they're despicable people. They go after, they go after you as an individual, you know, they yeah. try and publicly shame you, right. They try and quiet you and oh, yeah. you. they go after your spouse, your kids, your job, your business, whatever, your dog, if they can, this is like, you know, fatal attraction you're gonna come home and have your dog and have been you know <laughs> boiling on the stove man i mean these people have no barriers have no no yeah. they have lost it with trump the trump derangement syndrome truly exists and these people need a psychiatrist i keep on saying it um 
But you know what? I, I, I'm going to stand by that. Uh, I think we're in this together as well. Yeah. I, and, and, and like my other guest said, you know, Gonzalo Barca from Voice of America, um, he said, you know what? Uh, it's not the uh, silent majority. It's a silent minority that's bubbling up and we're going to oh, yeah. hit it hard. You know, we're going to. Yeah, hit I, I like that term. I believe that. I really yeah. they, they'll, they'll attack anything except Trump's policies. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Because they know. Because they know they've helped Americans, you know. Yeah, but isn't that amazing right. that you sit there and you you talk to these, you know, psychopaths, you know, and and everything is misogynist, xenophobe, racist, this, that. He's a criminal. He's a mafia lord. He's yeah. Putin's puppet. All this crap. And then you say, so which policy do you disagree with? Exactly. And then they're like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, what matters is him. He's disgusting. He's this animal. He's a criminal. He's a racist. And you're like, okay, but what policy do you disagree Absolutely. with? Absolutely. And they're like, I like his policies, but that's not the point. He's a terrible that's example. Right. He's this ogre. He's a he's this Satan reincarnate. Actually, you know what? If he was Satan reincarnate, they'd probably love him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because they're anti-Christ. They're anti-Christian, yeah. anti-Catholic. They're they're anti-Jesus. They're the you know, man, I don't know what's going on in the Democratic Party, but uh I, I I sure as hell try and stay as far away from them. Hey Shay, quick you know question. Yeah, sure. And um and and hopefully you can enlighten us here. Sure. Because you know everybody tries to talk about it, but there's nothing, you know, like hearing it directly from the horse's mouth, right? Yes. 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 Like I hear a lot of people trying to interpret why the Hispanic vote and this and that. And then when they come and, and, and ask me or when I speak about it, I speak about it, you know, because I know. Right. Right. Um, so I want to ask you the same question. Shay Hawkins. Yes, sir. Why is the, uh, does the black community vote in such high numbers for the Democratic, yeah. Democratic Party still today? Still today. Yes. You know, we saw yeah. the shift a little bit in, 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 in 16, but it went back in 18. Right. It went yeah. Back. yeah, it did. It did. So, so, so I, I, I'll tell you, and I, I'll give my, uh, I'm not a historian, but I'll give a little historical context that may help. Uh, and then well, I'll talk about kind of where right, Help us understand like what you hear, what you feel. Yeah. What, oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so what you had, you know, uh, black folks, you know, were deep Republicans forever. Okay. And, you know, ultimately everything turned right around the 1960s. And what you had is two things going on. One, you had a Democratic Party that was trying to rebrand re itself as not racist, right? So everyone would have associated racism with the Democratic Party before 1960, you know? Um, and so the, the Democrats who were legitimately not racist were doing everything they could from a PR standpoint to, um, you know, to aggressively stand against the racists in their party, you know? And so folks, one, appreciated that. But two, uh, when Barry Goldwater ran for president, he had been a former NAACP chair for the state of Arizona. So he had been strong on these civil rights issues, but he actually um, was against the Civil Rights Act which probably wasn't a perfect bill and had some non-civil um, non rights effects that weren't really conservative, if you will, you know. Uh, and so on those principles, Barry Goldwater stood against that bill. But the way most people saw it and the way um, Black folks saw it was that he was standing against their equality as a fact. And so that, that shift, along with Lyndon Johnson actually being the person who signed the bill, whether he did it for cynical reasons or not, um, that got uh, the shift into the Democratic Party for Black folks, at least on the presidential level, it, made, it solidified it. And so from there, uh, you know, Democrats in, in, in fixing their history, and in trying to rewrite their history, uh, they just hammered it, hammered it. Look, you know, they were against civil rights, you know, and and that that is in itself is even false, 
because more Republicans voted for the Civil Rights Act than Democrats. That's exactly right. Because they were still a party full of racists. But, you know, on, on for the typical person, that got an, a general association uh, of civil rights champions, you know, to, to the Democrats shifting from the Republicans. Even, even in terms of Nixon, even that late in the 70s, uh, the, the Republican Party was getting 25% of the black vote. Yeah. And um, yeah, once I the media had, uh, comes in, that's that. And Rosen on. Yeah. Last and today, today, they've just they've just tried to shift that to Trump. If, if I ask Joe Biden, hey, what do I get for giving 90% of my vote to Democrats? He says, Trump's prejudice, Trump's prejudice. And, and, and that's what they do, but people aren't buying it. Here in Ohio, um, now I didn't know this guy was gonna go off the deep end later, but John Kasich, our governor, oh, yeah. uh, because he didn't have any black folks in his initial cabinet, Democrats all across the state labeled him racist, racist, racist. No Latinos and no blacks in your cabinet out of 10 people. Yeah. But he actually implemented policies that overall improved everybody's life. And so when he ran for re-election in 2014, he got two out of every four black male votes. Wow. So half the black male vote voted for Kasich and a quarter of the black female vote wow. <laughs> voted for Kasich. Wow. And so, you know, Democrats didn't have anything else to say. Yeah. You know, this guy was racist. And, and so that lets me know that if it wasn't President Trump, if it were President Cruz or President Rubio or President Kasich, they'd still be calling him a racist. Yeah. I wonder if <laughs> it was, matter. I wonder if it was President Tim Scott. Would they call him a racist? Right. What are they gonna say then? <laughs> they might. They might, right? They might. They might just they, they, call they, they, uh, you know Uncle Tom and whatnot. Yeah. Right? I oh, mean, yeah. you know, that's what they do to us, right? So or, or or they just say he's racist against everybody else. So he's racist against Latinos and Asians. There you go. And Arabs and everybody else. It's amazing, man. It's, it's really something. How's the campaign going? It's going great. We, we've had two of our quote unquote super Saturdays awesome. where we, we get volunteers. We, you know, we go out with the congressional candidates as well uh, who are running for reelection and we knock on doors. You know, we've had a very positive response to physically knocking on doors. The Democrats here in Ohio aren't going out at all. Uh, we go out, you know, we wear our masks just to make sure people are comfortable. We knock on a door, we step back, you know, six or seven feet. And then we talk to folks, you know, I use a wheelchair in my uh, in my day-to-day -day life based on an accident that happened 10 years ago. And so I'm going up either sidewalk and then I've got volunteers on either side of the street knocking those doors, I'm waving. And then if, if a voter wants to talk, they wave me into the driveway and I come in talk to them for a bit and, you know, and, and right. go ahead and uh, move on. So you're, you're you see Democrats in the street. Twice as hard, man, twice as hard. Oh yeah, yeah, when we, when we see Democrats in the street, even if they're not on our list of doors to knock, if I see them in their driveway, see them in the, in the yard doing work, I talk to them and we converted a couple people. Awesome. It, there, there's folks all throughout my district that have, you know, cause like I said, it's a 50-50 district. Yeah. So there's folks all throughout my district that have a Biden sign and a Hawkins sign, you know? And if I can't get a Trump sign and a Hawkins sign, I'll take the Biden sign and the Hawkins sign. That's right. Uh, you know, just so I can get through and really uh, really support some good um, some good job-creating policies here in the state, so. Yeah, we're excited. absolutely, man. And Ohio is always a tough state too, man, you know? Oh, yeah. But uh, like you said, the president won it with a good margin. I hope uh, that 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 ha that repeats itself this year. I think there's going to be a surprise. I really do. Um, oh yeah. You know, this whole Black Lives Matter crap has been uh, you know taken over by this Marxist you know and 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 and, and anarchist groups and their you know the vandalism, the looting, the rioting. Uh, it's just crazy. I just can't see anybody supporting that. Yet there's there you you yet you see silence coming from a lot of these democratic leaders, and I find yeah, that almost really insulting. You know, it is insulting. You know because you know you gotta you gotta condemn the rioting first. You know, uh, that's kind of like the starting point. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be in a confusing situation where legitimate protesters right uh, are. Are looped are are looped in with the rioters. 
Yep. And it, it's it's a weird thing because you think Democrats would want to make a clear distinction. Right. Um, but they seem to want to just what what they seem to want to do is they want to conflate the rioters and the and the peaceful protesters so that when the president or any other reasonable person um you know condemns the rioting that they can be seen as condemning the protesting right. you know and uh, and that couldn't be further from the truth you know the president as soon as george floyd um you wrote about that too right yeah yeah yes as soon as it came out i, I sure did uh, you know the president was the first one who said look you know we're having the justice department look into this yep. he put out an executive order my i i did a wall street journal op-ed uh, about the Justice Act, which was my old boss, Senator Scott's bill on police reform, yeah. you know? And the Democrats, you know, and this is a quote from my old boss, he said they're more interested in running on police reform than they are in accomplishing police reform, yeah. you know? And, uh, you know, and, and I was, I, I wrote in my op-ed, I said, sadly, he may be correct. You know, his bill that he put forth in the Senate was probably 80% consistent with what was in the House bill from Speaker Pelosi. Uh, and the Democrats would not even allow debate. Just three year, three days of talking in public, adding amendments in public, and negotiating in public. They wouldn't allow that. They voted to disallow that. Uh, and there's no excuse. You know, you, you may not like the bill, but what you're saying is you don't even want to talk about the bill. All right. Uh, and, and that means they don't want a solution. No. Chuck Schumer doesn't want a solution. No. They don't want a solution for anything. You know, sure. what, they, what they want is they want chaos, 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 right? And, and, <laughs> and they, they don't want the president to sign a, a police reform bill yeah. because then they can't try to associate the problems with him anymore. Right. And Absolutely. I think, you know what, they're, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. You see this administration, you see this president, you know, created the greatest economy in the world. Yeah. Uh, lowest unemployment numbers for blacks, for Hispanics, for, for women, you know, for just about the entire country. Yes, wage, sir. You know, wage growth for the first time in 10 years. Um, you know, the labor force participation rate, the highest in over 50 something years. Absolutely. Um, you know, th those are real numbers. Uh, this artific artificial shutdown is an end at some point and everybody's going to get back to work and we're going to get back to those numbers and who oh, better yeah. than, than to take us back than the guy that got us there to, to begin with. So absolutely. Uh, I think uh, Latinos, I think uh, I think African-Americans are going to come out in droves for the president. And that silent minority is, in yes, a, is going to be heard. I love that term. It's yeah. going to be heard. I'm telling you, Shay, the silent minority is going to be heard on yes, election sir. day. Hey, Shay Hawkins, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks, Ivan. Uh, you're welcome anytime you want. Uh, and, uh, and come back and keep us posted on the race. Let us know where we can go find out more information, help you make donations. Can't win races without money, guys. So oh, please, yeah. where do we go? Where do we Absolutely. go? You go to www.hawkinsforohio.com. H-A-W-K-I-N-S-F-O-R-O-H-I-O.com. Hawkinsforohio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Shay Hawkins. Awesome, Thank brother. You, I appreciate you having you on the show. And don't Thank go anywhere. Me. We're going to be right back with more Battleground. That's right, General Quarters, and this is Battleground. And as usual, on Wednesdays, we are joined by the great Jim Dornan. Talking politics, Jim. Welcome, man. We're uh, what is it? 80, 83 days to election day. Great to be with you, Ivan. Uh, yeah, eighty-three days, man. I mean, I guess it seems like tomorrow and years from now, both at the same time, right? Man, it's uh, and so much going on. Obviously, the uh, the uh, Kamala Harris thing yesterday. Um, these uh, executive orders, uh, Congress nowhere to be seen. It doesn't look college like football. Yeah, college football. Uh, there's a bunch of races out there. Uh, you know, Florida has their primary uh, on Tuesday. That should be very interesting to see how a lot of those races play out. Um, I don't know, man. Kick it off. You're 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 the guru, man. You're the professor. 
Well, let's start with uh, something that probably not a lot of people notice, but those of us in DC in August have nothing better to do. Uh, looks like another white supremacist QAnoner found her way into the Republican Party umbrella and was nominated to run for Congress in Georgia yesterday. Oh uh, I think this is a pattern that somebody has got to put a stop to. Uh, this is ridiculous that we're allowing these people to run as Republicans. They're not Republicans. Uh, QAnon, as you know, is the whole yeah. operation behind the Hillary Clinton pizza pedophile catastrophe in which a guy went into a D.C. establishment and shot it up. He's now in jail, thank God. But um, I, I mean, sure, there are radical leftists. I get it. And they're in Congress, too. But we have got a problem with these people thinking they can join our ranks and become mainstream. And we've yeah. got to put a stop to it. And that's the first thing that we well, got to do. Why don't, you explain, why don't you explain a little bit what is QAnon? Because a lot of people don't know. I, I can guarantee you a lot of people. It, don't know. You know what? I, there's a lot I don't understand about it, but it's, it's a group of conspiracy theorists who are following this guy. If it's a guy, nobody knows who it is, named Q who is supposed to be immersed in the deep state and is exposing all these radical and reactionary uh, conspiracy theories inside a government. And, you know, I mean, listen, we've got the electorate on both sides has, has its freaks. I mean, it does, but. but the, um, end zones, the end zones are always full of crazies, man. Well, exactly, exactly right. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I, as, as I said before, as much as I can't accept, you know, the, the uh, AOCs of the world and their insane rhetoric and, and uh, desire to completely remake this country, um, I don't want people who are insane running for office and winning under the Republican and winning, Party. Yeah. And winning. That's the problem, man. Exactly. That, that there are people willing to support someone like this. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. crazy. So now I've got that off my chest. Yeah, the, the crazy <laughs> shit that these Q people push is just bizarre, man. I know. I, I know. I know. I mean, it, again. The whole Pizzagate thing and then, you know, tunnels underneath, you know, people's homes and b bodies of babies underneath the Clinton home, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. I mean, just crazy, crazy shit where really do they is. come up with this stuff i mean it's insane and the fact that people are willing to listen and believe to them that scares me even more and it just it's part of this great divide that's that gets wider and wider and wider in this country and it's uh i mean it's got to be stopped i don't know how we do it but it's got to be stopped well by not electing them and by doing a better job on messaging on our side right well and i don't understand why the nrcc wasn't more involved in that race um they're certainly haven't hesitated to get involved in other races. Um, the NRSC uh, was involved in keeping Chris Kobach from being the nominee in Kansas, right. knowing very well that he would lose. And, and you know, I, I, get, I get, you know, they probably think over in that building, hey, it's a Republican district. It doesn't matter who wins. You know what? It does. Because when this crazy gets on the floor of the House of Representatives and starts spewing out this insane thing, stuff, then then it's going to make us look terrible. And we, we're already fighting losing battle against the mainstream media anyway. Why give them any more ammunition? Dude, it's like the, it, it's like the uh, what was that, uh, Christine O'Donnell. It's like going back to the Christine O'Donnell. Day. Right, right. Well, yeah, I'm not a witch. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm, getting, uh, I'm getting emails from the woman running against, um, it's either Coons or Carper over in Delaware. I can't remember which. But, I mean, she's like every single email – calls Chris Coons a Marxist. <laughs> I mean, I know he's a lefty, but I mean, he's not AOC, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. So, hey, Kamala yeah. Harris. I just had uh, Shay Hawkins. He was, um, you know, a uh, great guy. Uh, he's actually running for, uh, he's running for, uh, for a state seat over in Ohio. Um, has a great, great opportunity to, to, to take that seat and won his primary. He's a former staffer for Tim, for Tim Scott really worked on the opportunity zones and a lot of the tax stuff for, for tax reform. Really good guy. And um, we were talking about the Kamala Harris um, situation briefly, but I wanted to leave that with you because you are the guru. Where do you see that helping or hurting 
Um, is it an addition or was it a, um, a, a token pick? Uh, I think combination of both. Um, the fact that Biden was threatened with two different major letters this week, one from a hundred African-American, uh, what I would say stakeholders, um, that scan the, you know, I think, I don't think LeBron James was on there, but it's that type of celebrity, uh, folks that were on that letter. And then you had a 700 signature letter from, um, some prominent African-American women basically threatening Biden. Um, so Harris was a safe pick. Um, you know, I, I think there ought to be questions about her loyalty to Biden, uh, you know, especially given the way, you know, she laughs it off. Oh, we were in a debate. I had to say that. Well, actually, no, you didn't. And um, she's got she's got a lot of problems. Uh, she's got problems with the progressives because of her uh, stint as aging in California. And they're they're screaming about it right now. And you know, if I were the Dems, I'd be a little bit worried because that's exactly what happened with Hillary four years ago. Oh. Um, and I also think she's got some problems. I mean, her family uh, owned 200 slaves down in Jamaica, her you know, relatives of her father. Uh, you know, in cancer, cancel culture, that would automatically eliminate her. Right. So, you know, you've got the whole hypocrisy thing going on again on the left, which you do with almost every phrase they make these days. Uh, I could go through a litany of them right now, but I won't. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but you know what, uh, she's, she's, I mean, I'm hearing from people and I'm just, I don't think this is a big secret that Democrats are thinking that Biden's going to last maybe two years. Yeah. So what you're looking at is potentially the next president, at least for a two year stint. And uh, that's going to be what the Trump campaign goes after. And I think it should, and they'll take her radical positions uh, on the left to go after Republican voters. And what I think they'll do on the, on the, on the left, which has become more prevalent with um, each side getting involved in each other's uh, primaries and, and, and candidacies, is that you'll see the Trump campaign go to progressives and start talking about all these non-progressive positions she has. And, and what that is, is voter suppression, both sides do it. Sure. Um, but, I, but I think that pointing that out to progressives uh, would be a very positive thing for the Trump campaign to do. And my guess is they'll do it. Yeah, I mean, out of, out of the whole bunch that was being uh, considered, I, I thought Susan Rice, I think we talked about it, was probably the most qualified. Um, but she had so much baggage, right? Right. Oh, the Benghazi stuff would have brought the conservatives out in droves. Um, I mean, she would have been tacked every... And she hasn't been elected. That's the other problem, too. Right. I mean, at least you've got Harris... Uh, who's got some electoral experience and she'll be the, you know, the pit bull that vice presidential candidates are supposed to be, yeah. you know, Biden won't have to attack Trump. She will. One of the funny things that, that I, that I saw on social media and social media is, is always funny to begin with. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, th this concept or this, this idea that Kamala Harris is in a steamroll Pence the way Trump would steamroll Biden. They're saying, well, it doesn't matter if, if uh, Trump destroys Biden because Kamala's going to destroy Pence, and at the end, that's really the ticket. And I find that so strange that people would think that when Pence is solid. I mean, that guy's solid. Well, and also... I can't tell you the last vice presidential candidate debate right. I watched. I mean, they don't matter. Right. Um, and up until this time, and I think this is a little different this time, uh, you don't vote for the B VP, you vote for the president. Right. Um, I think that if Trump uh, pursues a strategy of saying this is going to be your president, that that will change the tenor of this campaign. But and, until that happens, she's nothing but the vice president. I mean, and that's all there is to it. And Joe Biden is the one, you know, at the top of the ticket. So, um, and, and I, Mike Pence has been around for a long time. He's phenomenal. Uh, he's not going to get steamrolled by Kamala Harris. No, he's been a governor. Stuff. I mean, come on. He's solid. solid so solid. well prepared. It's not even going to be funny. So, right. but he's a genteel guy and she may come across looking, you know, a little too aggressive and, you know, she may turn off a lot of voters that way too. So does the uh, Trump campaign benefit or get hurt by making the race about her and not Joe? Uh, I, 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 that's a great question. I would not make the race about her. I would make her a, a part of the argument, but I mean, ultimately it's, it's 
Joe Biden and whether he's got the mental acuity to be able to carry out this job. And um, I think that they ought to pull back a little bit on that because I'm not sure it's working quite yet. But I think the debates will speak for themselves with regard to that question. So, um, I mean, there's and there's a lot of things that Trump campaign should be doing right now to promote Trump and not necessarily, you know, just beat the crap out of Biden. Um, I mean, these, you know, this whole thing with dismantling, dismantling DHS, which seems to be now a big part of the uh, Democrats campaign platform. Um, I mean, the whole argument should be to suburban women. These guys want to make your country less safe. And this whole thing with uh, bringing Section 8 housing into the suburbs, forcing it, you know, same thing, you know? I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter where Section 8 housing is, whether it's in the suburbs or the cities, those places are not safe because the people inside them don't want them to be safe or they're allowing them not to be safe. So, you know, this whole forcing this stuff on us uh, in order to create a more equitable world, it's proven to not work. And so you've got to have change from the inside in some of these communities if you want to, to live the American dream. And, and, I, and I get the whole, you know, well, they've had, it, they've had it bad since the beginning. Okay, I get that. But we have spent billions and billions and trillions of dollars since the Great Society was created in 19, what is it, 65, 64? I think, and I think poverty, the number, yeah, I think that number is 20 trillion. When and they and the, the, the poverty on. level... Yep. The poverty level is still the same, 11, 12, 13%. So throwing money and forcing ideas that don't work uh, on the problem is not the solution. And the solution is the change needs to come from within. And until you, until you have that, it's, it's, it's never going to work. And I think there's going to be a huge backlash against it. And, and the, the person who's going to pay the price is going to be Joe Biden. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. You know, he, uh, he he keeps on having slip up after slip up every time he goes in front of a camera. He, I, I hate to say that you know Father Time has caught caught up to him, but I don't know what else to say. Um, he's yeah. not the, he's not the Joe Biden four years ago or, or eight years ago or whenever. Um, he looks diminished. Um, he doesn't know where he is half the time or what he's saying and. And I don't know how that works in a debate if he can do that for 90 minutes and get away with, you know, come on, man, you know, and that stuff. And, and, um, and, and I think the debates are going to be truly telling. Um, is there any possibility that they replace him? Yeah, I think, you know, with each day that becomes less and less uh, possible or probable. Um, I, I think they're, I, I saw something this morning or last night that, you know, they're going to continue the, you know, Biden, hiding Biden in the de in the basement uh, strategy. And right now, you know, seemingly it's working. Although one thing that you're not going to hear from the mainstream media, if you look at the numbers right now, Trump is actually doing better against Biden at this point than he was against Hillary right. in both battleground states and across the country. So uh, I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not sure that that's the best strategy un unless they think they have no choice in that. And they, and they may not. I mean, you're right. He, he lost his window when he decided not to run in, in 2016. Yep. He would have been the president. He would have. He would have. I think I, he would have beat him. Yep. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer of that as well. Um, I, I think that was his window. He should have taken it. And he didn't uh, when, when Hillary clearly was not going to be able to pull through. But, you know, it is what it is. That's Monday, Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking, right? But um, the other question I had, um, Jim, was we see the, the real clear politics average right now. And you had just talked about the polls. He, you know, Trump is within four points on the average. That's within, you know, that, that's within the uh, margin of error. Um, I'm hearing some different numbers from the Trump campaign saying that, uh, you know, that they feel very, very comfortable and that they're up in, in, in a bunch of places in a bunch of battleground states. We know that some of the formulas that they use in these polls are what they are, right? Um, many of them still using the 2008 model uh, of that Obama coalition that has never really turned out to be true in 16. 
prove that. I think 18, they made adjustments because they were pretty, pretty accurate, I think, for the most part, right? Um, h- how much do you trust the polls right now? Uh, national polls, I don't trust at all because it's pre-Labor Day. No one's really paying attention except for folks like us. Um, and they're, the whole registered voters versus likely voters, uh, no one really seems to notice that. And registered voters are not a true uh, number. I mean, it just, it just they're asking, I mean, everybody, well, I don't know if everybody, but a lot of people are registered to vote, you know? Sure. Are you going to show up at the polls? Right. And I, I think that until they start, until you start seeing that likely voter number, and of course, you've got to figure out what the, how they break down the demographics. You know, I've seen ridiculously insane low numbers of Republicans being interviewed for these. Um, I I think I would trust a poll that had more independence because I think fewer and fewer people are actually identifying themselves as Republican or Democrats now, maybe maybe more Democrats probably, to be honest with you. Um, And I also think there's the whole factor that Trump voters aren't telling the truth to pollsters. Um, and I, and I get that too. I don't think it's a massive number, but it could skew it by a point or two in some of these battlegrounds. And then that's my last point is lastly, it's gotta be a state by state thing because, you know, I don't care what the Democrats tell you, Georgia, Texas, they're not going Democrat. And so tell me where Trump is in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, you know, Ohio, which I think he's going to win Florida, which I think he's going to win North Carolina, could be a toss-up, um, and then is Virginia and then, play is Virginia in play, Jim. No, nah, nah, I think Virginia is as close to a lost cause as 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 it can be. Um, we we haven't had any strong statewide candidates down there in a number of years. I mean, Eddie Gillespie, my old college roommate, uh, was uh, was the last guy. He he gave Mark Warner a uh, run for his money. I think it was it Warner or was the gubernatorial. Anyway, it was Warner. He came within a couple of points, you know, went just at the very end, started to catch fire and nobody noticed and he ran out of money. So, um, but since then we've had, you know, Looney Tunes like uh, Corey Stewart in Loudoun County, who's as close to a racist as as anybody I've ever uh, listened to and uh, other weak, weak candidates statewide. And until we start, uh, recruiting better down there and get rid of the old boys network down in Richmond, which is a real problem. Right. Um, we're not, we're not going to do anything down there. Yeah. I, I pretty much expect that too. And so many people moving down, moving, moving to Northern Virginia too, right. Is, is the, uh, the density of the voters there is huge, you know, so. Well, yeah, you've got, you've got a ton of immigrants there um, who tend to vote Democrat and, you know, you've got people moving out of D.C. And in the past, those folks who moved out of D.C. down there were looking for lower taxes. Now they're looking for fellow true believers on the left. And, and they're getting it. I mean, Ralph Northam is a far leftist. Um, obviously, he's a racist. Yep. Uh, they've got a racist attorney general. Yep. And then they've got a rapist as a lieutenant general. Uh, lieutenant <laughs> kind of governor. Yeah. Yeah, so like the, the, the three stooges down the there. The trifecta. The trifecta of the Democrat Party. Oh, man. So wh- where can we win? What What do you think is a state that we could flip? Is there anything out there that we could flip? Boy, I you know what? Um, it's going to be tough. Our, our candidates, our Senate candidates in New Hampshire are fairly weak. Shaheen's very strong. Um, that's going to be tough. They're talking about New Mexico. And I don't know. I don't. When was the last time New Mexico voted Republican? I think it was Ronald Reagan, to be honest with you. Um, so I don't, I, I think Trump needs to hold together what he had before. And the way he's going to do that is he's got to start appealing to suburban women again. The and security, moms. Be, the security that, moms again, right? That, that I'm going to be pounding that and pounding that from now until election day. It's the reason they are the reason we lost 40 seats in the house. All you have to do is look at those districts and People say, oh, well, Trump wasn't at the top of the ticket. Well, actually, he was, which is why we lost the 40 seats, um, because he had ticked off um, those women, and they came out in droves. And I'll I'll go back to my perfect example. Abby Spamberger, who is a great candidate, should never have won Eric Cantor's old seat against Dave Bratt down in Virginia. But you know what? Suburban Washington and suburban Richmond soccer moms said, "Uh uh-uh, no more Republicans. And that happened all over the country. 
Uh, we lost Dave Reichert's seat in the Seattle suburbs. I mean, I can go through a litany of this. And, and if, if Trump is smart, and he seems to be um, moving in the direction, he's got to appeal to those women. Yeah, we can't we can't win without them. That, that's for sure. You know, something that we've been talking about, you know, we and, and, and you know, the the Republican side, you know, of, you know, African-Americans and Hispanics is this silent minority. And we think there's going to be a big surprise in that. Um, and I, and I've, I'm hearing that. I mean, you're, you're telling me that, but I'm hearing that from other folks as well. And I, I, I think that if you look beyond the immigration issue, which is obviously very important, um, but look at the quality of life and, and the, you know, and then you just go to the jobs numbers and, and all the great things that Trump was doing in the economy, basically unshackling it right. and allowing folks to become entrepreneurs with less government regulation, um, lower taxes, so they can have more income to, to start these businesses. Um, and that's, that's what the scary thing about this COVID thing is. Are, are we going to be able to open the economy enough where people can start right. thriving again? Yeah. Um, and if people, well, right. And we've, and we've got to, otherwise, you know, Biden's going to give us this government will take care of you prescription, which has been a recipe for disaster everywhere it's been tried, uh, including under Obama. Yeah. We were talking to some, some people in the African-American community that think that the, uh, the number is going to be anywhere from 15 to 20%. And that would be, uh, that would be massive. And that would be just massive, right? That would just be a yep. smackdown. Um, yep. You know, we honestly think that the uh, Hispanic number is going to be above 40% as well. Um, and that would be devastating as well. Putting those two together, I don't care what state or where, um, where, where, where those voters are, they're going to, they're going to tilt the scale because, because the numbers are just too large. Um, well, right. And I, I, I think that also that black voters are getting sick and tired of being taken for granted by the Democrats and, and no one has proved that point better than Joe Biden. Every time he talks about African-American voters, he puts his foot in his mouth. And, um, you know, it just, I, I, I'm glad to see it finally, because I think the Republicans do offer more opportunities economically for, for all voters, but especially minority voters. Uh, and and it, I, I, I wouldn't think that Donald Trump would have been the guy to do that. I would have thought it would have been somebody like that. Yeah. Jack Kemp. Right. Well, Jack Kemp, come on, man. Jack Kemp was awesome. There's only there, he was, he was. there, there he was will the only be one Jack Kemp. There will only right. be one Jack Kemp. God, I wish that guy would have been president, man. He was just such a stud, man. He was great, great guy. Uh, you know, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, we, we could use a Jack Kemp today, honestly. You know, we could use Jack Kemp yep. right now. Um, well, I mean, Paul was was moving in that direction, but he just he, he, he wouldn't count out of the, the Looney Tunes on our on our fringe. And I get that. I mean, he he's a legislator, not not a not a leader. And he would readily admit that. Um, and what he was trying to legislate was was to empower people. So yeah, and he is one of the speaker, too. Right. I mean, geez. I mean, oh, I, I, I'm, I was his biggest fan. I was living next door to Reince at the time. And I told him, I said, you've got to get Paul in speaker. He's the only one who can unite our, right. unite our conference. Yeah. And he did for all of six months until they started taking the knives out on right. him, you know? Well, they destroyed Boehner, too. I mean, anybody, right? I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, when you get people like Christine O'Donnell running and winning, even though, thank God, she didn't win. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, and you had the other psycho, Catherine Harris, down in Florida. I mean, imagine if she would have won. Um, so, you know, we, we have our fair share of crazies, like you said, this QAnon psycho down in Georgia, you know, um, yep, yeah, but, uh, you know, look at the squad, right? Look at the squad, look at Bernie. Look oh, at yeah, they're, they're insane. You know, they're, they're, insane. they're, they're, they're and, and frankly, they're becoming more mainstream in their party than the fringe guys are in our party. Yeah. And that's, that's the only thing that kind of makes me feel a little bit good about this. Yeah. Something that worries me though is in, and I don't think we've talked about this with you is, you know, the strategy that the left uses, right, to publicly shame, humiliate, attack, you know, anybody who does not agree with their views, they come after you, your spouse, your kids, your job, your business, your dog, whoever, right, is, you know, yesterday, you know, I had somebody, you know, send me a message, which was very interesting, you know, um, and they're saying, you know, because uh, I had made uh, some comments or whatever on social media. 
and uh and they said hey you know um you may want to take that down because it's it's in public setting not just within your friends and i said yeah but it's a meme i mean i don't care it's a joke and he goes no 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 dude but seriously like corporations or people see that you know they're gonna blackball you they're gonna blackball you and i said well you know uh, I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that, but you know, it's it's a joke. People joke, people put jokes out there and it is what it is. And he goes, Yeah, but it can be seen as, you know, misogynistic or this or that or whatever. He's like, you know, you can't you can't joke anymore. And I said, Are you kidding me? And he goes, dude, trust me, you know, yeah, there's a good friend. He's he, you know, he's he's in corporate America and he's like, seriously, he's like, I can't you know, I know for a fact now that HR departments are constantly scanning employees' social media pages, especially if they don't like you for some reason, they'll really scan your social media pages and try and find something that is maybe not politically correct or something that they can grab that thread and just keep on pulling until they take you out. And, well, and uh, that's, and that's, that, that's, uh, that just seems so wrong on so many levels, Jim. You know, I want to, to talk about that if possible. Censorship on the left is real. Um, and you said it perfectly. Uh, it's the reason that folks like Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, not one of them is conservative, um, but they won't do stand up anymore because you've got all these quote unquote woke millennials who think they know what they're talking about and actually don't know shit about shit. Right. Um, you know, going back to that, we talk about the Biden campaign in Florida, you know, they, they want to run something, they have no idea what they're doing. Right. So, but, but you're right. It's, it's, I, I think there's going to wind up being a huge backlash at it. Um, I think Trump, Trump has done a pretty good job of, of saying, you know, basically screw you. I'm going to say what I want, but yeah, things have definitely changed. And I don't know for the better, uh, you know, I mean, the liberals will tell you that, oh, we've become more aware of, of people's feelings. Well, screw that. You know, I mean, I want what's best for my family and my country. Right. And it doesn't include you telling me what I can and cannot say. I don't, if, exactly. you're offended by, if you're offended by something I say, don't listen to what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. forcing you to. That's right. And I don't need you to be the thought and speak police for me. So you know, I'm going to continue. I'm, I'm an old guy. Get off of my lawn. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say what I want. That's right. And uh, you know what? Uh, the hell with them. I mean, do, the you, hell do, you, want, do you honestly see a backlash? I, I think it's going to come. Um, I think you're seeing it in a little bit right now. I mean, I think there's definitely a fear out there. It's, it's, and it's scary. It's very scary that um, people are, are, are watching you. Uh, on, on what you say. And, I, and I'm not talking about offensive things. I'm, right. I'm, I'm talking about what you just said, hmm. your opinion. Your opinion is exactly that. It's your opinion. Right. And last time I looked, this is a free country. Right. So, you know. Um, but I think, uh, I think if, if Trump wins, I think the backlash happens. I think if Trump loses, I think it's pedal to the metal and we just get bulldozered over. And for two years, for two years, I, I think that I think that we take back. I think I said this in one of the previous podcasts. Yeah. I think we take back uh, probably not the House, but probably the Senate. Um, if we lose it when we I'm not even sure we're going to lose it. I was very bearish on it a few months ago. I'm, I'm a little bit more bullish on it than now. A little worried about Susan Collins, but yeah. Corey and Steve Daines seem to be picking up a little bit. And same with Joni out in Iowa. Well, so. Alabama, we're picking up that seat too, right? So absolutely, I'm involved in that, so I can, uh, you know, I can with just full disclosure. Um, yeah, I think we do pick that up. Tuberville is up 17 points in the last public poll. Um, I mean, I just and with Trump at the top of the ticket, that's a state he's going to win by 30 points. So right. Right. Um, I think I think Tuberville is going to be just fine. But you know, we gotta uh, we just got to stay with it and and you know keep keep punch pushing along until until election day so wrapping up here you think collins is a goner not yet not yet um she is one of the best politicians we have you know the right doesn't like her because she's too moderate i would remind them that it's freaking maine for god's sakes you're not going to get a conservative up there right. uh so you know i i, I think she's going to i 
I, I think I never count her out. Let's put it that way. Never yep. count her out. Yeah. Awesome, man. Any parting words, Jim? Yeah. College football needs to get its act together. The players think they're safer playing football than they are back home. Listen to the players for a change. I mean, you've been making a lot of money off those folks for a long time. And I think they have a right to say they want to play football. So I'm with Trump on this. Let's play ball. Awesome. Awesome. The great Jim Jordan, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Jim. It's always a pleasure. And we'll see you next week, brother. Sounds great, Ivan. Take care. Have a good week. Absolutely. And don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with more Battleground. We want to give a shout out to uh, some of our friends, Opportunity Matters Funds. They uh, support federal candidates who promote the opportunity agenda to enact positive legislative initiatives and help prove that the American dream is still alive and well. When you get a chance, please visit them at opportunitymattersfund.org, opportunitymattersfund.org. Also, Hispanic Leadership Council, we are fighting to move the Hispanic vote over to the Republican side. Make sure you visit hlc.gop, hlc.gop. Those are some of our friends that support our show. We hope you will uh, take the time, visit their page, and support them as well. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.